Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahiri, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that that this will bless you. Specifically, this message today is from our Y'all series. That's Y'all, as in you all. And we're looking at great scriptures from the Bible that are to us all, good promises that the whole church needs to hear. We hope you enjoy the Y'all series, and you can find more resources at palousechurch.org, or you can check us out on the Bible app and select us as your church, or or find us on YouTube or Facebook. But for now, uh, tune in to this message from the Y'all series. We'll be in the Gospel of Matthew today and 1 Peter as well, if you want to Get your Bibles ready, or there's a Bible for you underneath one of the seats nearby you, or you can use your app. It will be in Matthew 28 and eventually in 1 Peter 3. We are wrapping up the Y'all series, y'all, and uh, some of you are like, finally, thank you. Corey's saying y'all, it gets really awkward. Uh, so we're, we're wrapping up the Y'all series, and it's, it's actually been uh, fun for me to look at the, pro- the shared promises that we have from God where he, he's speaking to us all as a group. Uh, and not just to us as individuals. Yes, he, he knows us as individuals, but he also has a plan for us as a group. And so it's been fun. But more than that, I truly hope and I have been praying that y'all have been blessed as we've discovered and reminded ourselves that we have some shared, amazing, true promises uh, that God has set for us. Like, you know, y'all can... Uh, talk to God. We talked about that's one of these deep ones, right? Uh, that we all need Jesus, that none of us are, we're, are perfect enough on our own that we don't need Jesus. We're all broken. We're all needed Jesus. But Tyson West reminded us, y'all were blessed, right? And, and now we've been talking about that we can make a difference for God last week. And then today, y'all can help change lives for God. Uh, God can use us to help transform lives, lives for God. Another way to say this is Church is a team sport, and God uses many people and many pieces and many interactions, prayers and, and, and service and kindness over, over time and over years sometimes to help transform people's lives into people who believe in him and, and follow him. So this final message, I, I really hope he gives us ears to hear, and I hope you walk away believing I can be a part of what God is doing to help transform lives. And you, you might think of yourself as not really religious or, or somebody who doesn't really want to share their faith publicly or something. How could I be used by God? Well, I just want you to know you can, and he probably is already using you, especially if you've got that humble attitude, right? That God works through, through our real lives, through everyday situations, through our faithfulness and obedience in our, our lives, and he wants, God wants to see lives healed and helped and filled and renewed and transformed. He wants to see lives go from lost to found, from despairing to hope, from lonely to beloved, from ashamed to rejoicing, from feeling useless to feeling like I have a purpose, from not knowing our true identity to knowing that you are a loved child of God. And he uses all of us to help people have that experience. Let's, let's pray as we come to the word today. Lord, may the words of 
of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts. May they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, dear Lord. For you are truly our rock and our redeemer. You alone should be reverently, reverently be in awe of and fear of, Lord. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should our lives be founded upon, God. You are God, and you have made this plan to use us to be a part of, of how you change lives, Lord. May, may the people hearing this message online and in person, may, they, may the Spirit really help us to believe that you want to use each of us to help lives be turned from death unto life, from old into new. Help us to hear and believe. Help us to be praying. May this, listening to this sermon, this message today, Lord, help me to be out of the way and help it all to be about what you want to say to your people. May your people be praying for me and other preachers right now that we would simply declare your word rightly and that you would be glorified. I pray this all in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. That's the final chapter. And just a bit of background. Jesus, the Son of God, has come to earth. And he's fully God, yet became fully human being. And he came, he clearly says, to seek and save the lost, to restore what is broken. He came not for those who think they're righteous and healthy, but he came for the sick and, and those who are hurting. And he's been living this mission, and he lived a perfect life. And now he, he's going to give himself uh, to do to as a sacrifice to die for our sins on the cross, and then he was resurrected after he died, right? And then after his resurrection, you know, as part of his mission, it's not done yet after he's crucified and resurrected, he's still got something to do. He's, he's got to prepare his church to know what their purpose is, what their mission is. And basically, their mission, our mission as people who believe in him, is to do what he's doing, to restore people to relationship with God. So Jesus did it through his, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection, and then he gives his Holy Spirit to people who believe in him, and then the Holy Spirit begins drawing and empowering people to, to believe and surrendering their lives to Christ as king. And, and so this is his mission, is that people would believe in Jesus, and by so doing, they would actually experience God's love for them, and they would be transformed into someone who lives as God's child in God's kingdom. So once we believe in that, 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 that mission of Jesus, once we believe in Jesus, we become his people. And then if we become his people, here's the deal, we are on his mission. We are on a mission together. We are on a co-mission together. We are doing the same mission that Jesus had, which was to love the world and to seek those who don't know God yet or are out of a relationship with God and, and to love them and invite them into this very real, very loving relationship with God. So what's, what's this mission from Jesus? Jesus put it in his own words. We're going to hear it in Matthew 28, starting with, with verse 18. This is after the resurrection. And he, he says to the gathered 11 disciples, he says, Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with y'all always to the end of the age. 
He wants us to go, make disciples, baptize them in the name of God, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that he has commanded the disciples and us, and he encourages us. He is with us to the end of the age. So he is with us, but soon after this, Jesus ascends into heaven. So how is he with us? Well, the, the disciples, the original disciples knew he was with us by the Holy Spirit of God that the Spirit of God was poured out into those first believers and the Spirit of God continues to be a gift to all who believe in Jesus Christ, right? And, and so we are joining the, the 11 disciples. Think about this. It's, it kind of boggles the mind a bit, but, you know, Peter, James, John, all those guys, uh, you know, Mary Magdalene, those first disciples, we are joining them in the mission, Right? We are disciples, too. We are, we are filled with the same spirit. Uh, Peter didn't get the varsity spirit, and you get like the C-team Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. And there isn't a different Holy Spirit for Pastor Corey or something than there is for, for you. It's the same Holy Spirit, right? And we're on the same mission. You have the same exact mission as Peter, right? As Paul, as James, John, Mary Magdalene. Timothy, James, Jesus' brother. I mean, we are on the same exact mission, doing what God wants to be done in this world. That's pretty cool to think about, right? And he's calling us, called them back then, and he calls all of his followers, including us now, to make disciples. Make disciples. What are those, right? Well, first, I would say we need to know what they are because before we can make disciples, we've got to be one. Right? So you've got to be a disciple, and then you, you're called to be part of making disciples. So what are, what are, what's a disciple? A, a disciple, a basic definition for a disciple is a student follower of a teacher. A student follower of a teacher. And, and so we are student followers of our teacher and leader, Jesus Christ. We are learning from him. We want to be like him. Uh, he is our teacher. He is our leader. We follow him in his footsteps. It was said in ancient times that a good disciple was covered by the, the dust from the sandals of their teacher. Meaning that if, you, if you're a good disciple, you're following along as your teacher goes wherever they go and do, does whatever teaching they teach and do, does whatever they do, and you're right behind them. So we want to be right with Jesus, in step with Jesus, if you want to think of it that way. And if you want to know what that's like, you've got to know who he is in his word. You, you, you've got to meet with him in prayer also. So disciples know him, want to learn from him, want to be about him, and love others like he loved us. A disciple does not mean being overly religious and self-righteous and knowing you're better than all those unchurched people. That's not what a disciple means. Right? Disciple is not a certificate you get from a church membership. Not that church membership is bad. Discipleship is all about really believing in Jesus and really following Jesus. And a, and a congregation of people should be filled with true student followers of Jesus. Now, there are sometimes churches that are filled with people who use Jesus' name, but are they, do they have his dust on them? Do they look like Jesus? Do they love like Jesus? Do they care for people like Jesus did? Sometimes we have to say, sometimes we don't, right? So we gotta act like disciples if we wanna make other disciples, which Jesus told us to do. And, and so he wants, he wants more and more people to be student followers of Jesus, and he, he is, I guess you could say, in the recruiting business, and he wants us to join him in the recruitment business because, why? Because God needs a giant pat on the back? Absolutely not, God's already perfect. God doesn't need a giant pat on the back. Why does God want more disciples? 
Because it's the best life possible to know that you are loved by God. That you don't have to carry your own burdens. That there's life after death. That you, you have a deep purpose. That whatever, whatever sins you've fallen into, whatever mistakes you've made, there's a God who loves you so much. He bore all that on the cross and then left it in the grave. And, and so he wants people to know that. Yes, it glorifies the Father, but it also is really good for those who receive it. Right? So he wants us to be part of the recruiting business to, to let people know that. And he says, you know, go everywhere, basically. Go, therefore. And, and where do you get your disciples? From just one place or another place? Just the places, you know, right next to Jerusalem or something? No, he says, go make disciples of all nations. You've got to think about how radical that was for this group of Jewish people who heard this originally. You don't get that far from your hometown back then, Right? Yeah, I mean, you don't, you'd, if you'd gone 50 miles or 100 miles, maybe you went to Jerusalem for the feasts and things like that, your annual feast, but not a lot of people, unless you were like a business person or a military person working for Rome, you probably hadn't traveled more than 200 miles away from your home. That would be the vast majority of people. And now Jesus is saying this radical vision, you are going to go and you're going to make disciples of all nations. What? What is that? What does that even mean? Well, Jesus knew he was not just saying that to them. He was saying that to his future church too, that, that eventually God's plan is to go to the very ends of the earth. And, and that's what makes Christianity radical from the start, different from every other world religion, is that from the beginning, Jesus is saying this isn't about people of a certain language or people of a certain ethnicity or people of a certain economic group. This, this is about all people, all people, Right? Redneck, white collar, blue collar, academic, farmer, Democrat, Republican, don't care about politics, everybody. Vietnamese, American, French, African, everybody, everywhere. This is part of the uniqueness and beauty of Christianity, right? Because it's really about all God's children everywhere. So I, I don't think we recognize how radical the church is, but we got, we, we got to move on. But he, what does he want to teach these people from every corner of the world? He wants, he wants his disciples to, to teach faith, believe in God, believe in Jesus, believe that God is really real and really came to earth, and then obey what he taught. And his first basic teachings that every disciple has to get is love God with all that you are all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If, you've, if you master 600 other commandments, but you don't get those two, then you're not doing it right, right? So we, we, we've got to, do I love God? Am I seeking to love God with all that I am? And am I loving my neighbor as myself? And those go together. And then I, I learn what it is to obey and what the Ten Commandments are and how to have right relationships with people and, and how to be honest and fair and have integrity and all those things are very important. But I've, I, if I'm just doing them in a legalistic way and not for loving God and loving people, right? And so God is making a force in this world of people who love him above everything else and love people. And he says, go and teach that. And know that as you do it, you are not alone. I am with you always to the end of the age, Jesus says. And so you've got people like Thomas who end up going all the way to India to, to, uh, to people who don't look like him, people who don't talk the same language to him. How in the world did, quote unquote, doubting Thomas go and, and see thousands of people convert in India, right? 
to, to a, this guy, Jesus, the son of God who came out of eternity and became a human being and died on a Roman cross. And you've got people living in India that started saying, yeah, that's the real story. How did that work? That's because Thomas wasn't just really good with speeches. He really believed. He was a real disciple. And that means he really had the Holy Spirit. And so when he walked into one of those towns in India, he was not alone. And you're not alone. When you're having that conversation at your workplace or with a friend or on the phone or you're, you're, you're messaging somebody and they're asking you about your faith or whatever it is, you are not alone. You don't have to have the perfect words to say, God will give you what you need and God is with you. We are not alone. And so as the apostles, as they, as they did this first mission, they, they faced all kinds of challenges, but let's remember this, and they give us proof of this. The challenges are never greater than God, right? And I think we look at this world and we say, oh, how secular this world is, or oh, how messed up people are getting with all different kinds of things. Absolutely, the world is messed up. That is not new. But God is greater than the world, the scriptures say. And it says God is with you to the end of the age. And so when you faithfully live out your discipleship as a follower of Jesus, you are not alone and God can work through you. You need to believe that. You need to not put yourself down and say, oh, but not me. Oh, but I came to Christ later in life. Or, oh, I don't have any like outward sharing gifts. Or, oh, I, I'm not a very convincing speaker. All those excuses are brought up in the Bible. And God says to all of them, don't worry about it, basically. It's not about you. I will work through you. Okay? But the apostles, as they did this, they, they, they did face challenges, right? As they did this mission, they, they faced persecution. They faced slander from their own people, from other people groups. And, and so we, we should ask this question. As we go about this mission, how as Christians, as followers of Christ, uh, how should we go about it, right? When the world can be so negative, how should we go about it? Well, we don't have to wonder because the Bible gives us a lot of teachings on this. So we can go and learn straight from Peter and one of his letters. And Peter gives us some wisdom here in 1 Peter 3. Uh, and, and there's other great scriptures in the New Testament. But we're going to focus in on this 1 Peter 3, starting with verse 8, on how, as we live out this mission, the what, the Matthew 28, how we should do it, right, as representatives for Jesus. So this is, this is a scripture on how. 1 Peter 3. 3, starting with verse 8. Peter, he's a good preacher at this point because he's in the middle of the letter and he says, finally. That's what, pre that's what a good preacher does. Anyway, and you're like, finally? You got three more pages here, Peter. Okay, anyway. Uh, so, Peter says, finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this y'all were called, that y'all may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and, and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against all those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm y'all if y'all are zealous for what is good? But even if y'all should suffer for righteousness' sake, y'all will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in y'all's heart, regard Christ the Lord as holy. 
always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks y'all for a reason for the hope that is in y'all. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when y'all are slandered, he said when, by the way, when y'all are slandered, those who revile all y'all's good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. So this is the, I see this as a, sec, a great section on the how we live as a witness, right? That we're gonna live in a world where people will say things against us or, or do evil, but it, it, did you notice how much this is so straightforward, right? Don't do bad, don't do evil, don't speak deceit. Uh, you know, uh, Peter is saying, hey, it's really simple. Live a good life with a clean conscience. Do what's right, seek peace. And we, we think it's so simple, but then we look in the world and see how easy it is to slip into conflict, right? How easy it is to get stirred up and, uh, by the news or the anxiety in community issues or national issues or political issues. And before you know it, we're not seeking peace, we're seeking to rile folks up. I mean, it sounds so easy, but we know that the temptations are easy to fall into too, right? So this is deep truth that Peter is sharing with us about how we should live. So let's think of some of these words and uh, good words here and some restraining words, I might call them. So uh, unity, unity is a good word. Jesus prayed for unity. He prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. We ain't there yet, but Jesus prayed for that, and we should seek that. We should seek that. We should want that. Sympathy, being willing to feel the pains of others or, or know what others are going through. Caring about the hurts and the brokenness in, in, in the body of believers, for sure, but outside in the world, and actually caring, right? Love. Love is a very good word, right? Love is a word that the scriptures say God is love. I mean, wanting the best for others. We gotta be about that. Wanting the best for others. Praying that for others that we know. We want the best for them. We, just, we don't just want them to go to church so we can feel good. They're like, oh good, that's one more friend that goes to church. We want the best for them. I mean, my friends who don't know the love of God don't, don't have that, that peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I want that for them. Love. Tenderness. Tenderness or, or, or deep compassion. The, 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 the word here for tenderness is actually, uh, you know, we use heart in the modern Western world, but the Jewish people, when they talked about tenderness or compassion, they, they, they talked about the guts. They talked about the bowels, actually. And, and so the, the feelings, deep feelings in your gut for people, you know, you know it, right? Because you love people, and when you're, you're afraid one of your loved ones is at risk or sick, where do you feel it? Sometimes your heart beats faster, absolutely. But sometimes you get sick, right? In your gut. And, and, and Peter is saying, man, do you have that tenderness? Do your, do your guts ache for people? We should have that for people. If we don't, we say, God, God have me have that for, this, for people. And if you do have that, and I bet many of you do, I just want to affirm that that God is doing that in you, right? The compassion, the tenderness, the love. 
And if he's doing that in you, and you've been saying, but I can't be a witness, well, those two things don't compute. Because if you have the compassion, if you have that gut ache for people, and you have that love, then he's doing it in you. And whoever's telling you you can't help somebody or show God's love to somebody, that's a lying voice, and it's not God. So just trust your gut, because God's worked through the gut for a long, long time. Okay? And humility. What a good word, right? Humility. It's the first three letters are the same as human. The first three letters are the same as humor, right? It's being down to earth. It's having a good sense of humor about yourself. I know my weaknesses. I know how dumb I can be. I I also know I'm loved by God, and he's given me a new identity. But it's not thinking too highly of yourself, but it's not thinking too low of yourself. It's being grounded, having a good sense of who you are. Humility. You know, uh, people outside of the faith, outside of Christianity, it uh, turns out they don't really like arrogant Christians, right? And did you, if some of you were, when you were outside the faith, did you really like arrogant Christians coming to you and, and, and giving a message of holier than thou and how good they were, right? Uh, no, we, we, but hu- there's something wonderfully attractive about humility, right? For somebody who is authentic and real about themselves, who, who does what they say, who walks what they believe. Humility. Jesus had it perfectly. None of us has it perfectly. And so we have to be honest about our imperfections, right? We have to be real that sometimes we fall short and we have to be humble and, about that and repent when we fall short. Peter says some straightforward things. We need to stay away from evil. We need to stay away from lying or deceit. We need to seek peace, and we need to be praying people, right? Pursue it. If we're living a righteous life, the Lord will be very open to our prayers. Jesus said, uh, we heard it last week, you can ask for anything in my name, and basically if it honors the Father, I want to give it to you. And so if we're living this type of life, we we can ask and receive, because we'll be praying the type of prayers he wants to answer. And Peter talks about having this Jesus hope, right? That we have this hope and we need to be ready to to explain or to share with people, this is the hope that I have and this is why I have it, right? He says, be prepared. Be prepared to to give a reason when when anyone asks you all for why you have the hope that you have. And, and, And that being prepared, you don't have to have a sermon to share with them. It could be a line or two. Why, why do you go to church? That's maybe how somebody will ask her. Why, why do you have faith? Why did you get baptized? Whatever the question may be, or why do you believe in an invisible God, right? Who knows what they'll ask, right? But be, be ready with a simple, straightforward, humble, honest answer. It could be a simple, because I believe God's really real and that Jesus, I really believe Jesus loves me. And if you say that authentically and humbly, you don't, you don't, you don't have to say much more. That could be it. It could be something else like, Man, I really screwed up, and, and I learned that God still loves me. What is that line or two or, or your story, if you're ready to tell your story, you know, in a hundred words or less of what God did for you and is still doing in you, and not being ashamed of that? Don't be ashamed of that one bit, because God has loved you, friends. And if you're in a relationship with him, then you have a story to tell. You may not have been rescued out of the gutter. That's okay. 
Maybe the gutter was in your mouth and you were rescued from that. That's part of my story, right? Uh, your story is your story and it's the story of God loving you. Don't be ashamed of it one bit and believe that God can use it to transform lives. That's what he's done for a very long time. If you told it to the disciples then and he said, pass this along, then it's still true for us today. But when we do it, what does he say? Do it with gentleness and respect. Respect. They don't believe what I believe. Or they, you just said they could revile us, Peter. Yeah. Do it with gentleness and respect. They're not going to receive it if you're cramming it down their throats, right? You know, I, I've shared this story when I was trying to witness to my friend uh, Nick when I was in college and learning all these great things from the Bible and, you know, Christian college, so I was super Christian, right? And, and I was even taking a class called apologetics, which literally means learning how to defend the faith. And so I had Nick over to my dorm room, and Nick was, you know, an atheist at the time, and he was sharing all these things, and I was combating each one, and I had good arguments, right? For my God is God, and, you know, Jesus was historical and everything, and I was coming against all of them, and I was so proud while I was doing it. I didn't realize what was going on spiritually or emotionally in my friend. And at a certain point, he just got up, and he bolted and walked quickly down my dorm hallway and down the stairs, and I remember yelling to him from the top of the stairs. And I say, Nick, I've laid it out for you clearly. Why don't you just believe? And he looked up and he said, even if you're right, and I did believe, why would I, why would I want to be like you? Right? Whew. Cut to the heart. Because we can think we know the right answers, but it's not about us being better or being right. Jesus didn't just come to the world to say, I'm right and I'm better. He came to the world to love and to serve and to give himself as a sacrifice. And if we don't share our faith like he lived, then we're doing it wrong. And it will be known and it will be obvious. Right? So we want to live with a good conscience. Where when we are living humbly, and, and, and Peter wrote this based on experience, right? He did get slandered. He did suffer. And eventually Peter was arrested and tortured and crucified upside down is what church history tells us, right? And so he's speaking out of experience that, hey, you want to live with a good conscience. They're going to say all kinds of things to you. They're going to do all kinds of good things to you. But it ends up that a good conscience, if you actually do what you know is right, say what you know is true, do so humbly, then the evil doesn't win. And it ends up that if you suffer for doing good, that's a, that's a good life. So people may speak falsely about you. They may conjecture about your motives. They may not understand your faith. They may, may, may question you, right? But Peter says, when y'all are slandered, expect it. Because he said when, right? Rick Warren, a pastor today, wrote Purpose Driven Life. You know, he, he has three secrets for, for living the Christian life and for ministry. He says if you want to be really good at ministry, there's these three secrets you need to know. They are, number one, don't take it personal. Number two, don't take it personal. Number three, don't take it personal. It's not about you. And boy, I, I've had to learn and repeat and learn that over and again. Don't take it personal. We live in a broken world. People are hurting. We make mistakes too. Don't take it personal. Just try to be somebody who lives with a clean conscience. 
live with integrity to your beliefs and values. And then you don't have to worry about slander. Say whatever they want, right? Ultimately, if they're, they're just being mean and being a slanderer or being a jerk, then ultimately, eventually, that's going to be on them. And don't worry about it. So Peter is that a great example, that, that Peter is an example of suffering happening. We could look for many other examples in, in, in church history. I, today, we'll just think about Peter that, this guy, God changed radically. Remember, if you've read the Gospels or heard the Gospels, he was gruff, he was mean, he was arrogant, he was overconfident. And God shapes him into being this humble person that wrote this as an older man who would soon be crucified upside down. Right? Well, friends, suffering is going to happen as we go about God's mission on the world. The founder of our faith, Jesus Christ, suffered. The initial human founders or leaders of our faith suffered. We are going to suffer in some way, whether it be directly because of our faith or because of the brokenness or frailty of just living in a human body. There's going to be suffering in your life. The question is, are you going to suffer for good or suffer for evil? Are you going to have suffering that makes a difference in the lives of others? Are you going to, if you get a terrible disease in your life, are you going to still say to your last breath, God is good? I don't know why I got this disease, but God is good, and God loves you. And if you suffer for good while, while you're going through that, and you, are, you, with your faith and with the Spirit who is with you, if you say that, the light of God will be real to someone who hears that. You are going to suffer. That's not the question. The question is, how are we going to suffer? For good or for evil? Are we going to use our life to be on mission? Because, friends, it's too precious to use for other things. We can use it to, to you know, be on social media or something. We can use it to, to, to gain the attention or, or, or get a bunch of nickels and dimes and dollars. And, but in the end, all that stuff goes away, right? Or there better not be social media in heaven. Anyway, it, 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 it's all going away. And life is, what remains is us and God and relationships. And it's too precious. Life is too brief. Life is too beautiful to use it for things that are less than what God designed it for. It's too precious, brief, and beautiful to use it for revenge or bitterness or mistreatment of others. Our lives should be spent on the journey of sharing God's love with the world, of offering true hope to people in just our everyday lives. And yes, it won't always be easy. But the good news, we don't have to do it on our strength. And that's why we have to keep a connection with God. That's why we have to pray. Prayer is a wonderful gift. It's not a religious thing you have to do to check off to say, oh good, I'm a good Christian. It is a wonderful gift. It's you and I getting to enjoy our relationship with God. It's an empowering, helpful gift from God that is good for us emotionally, psychologically, relationally. And prayer, in some mysterious, beautiful way, God uses the prayer of his people to get his will done in this world to change others' souls, to take away the burdens that people can't carry on their own. And it reminds us that, that, that Jesus was with us and that the Spirit is with us now. Prayer is so good. And all of us can have it. It is, it is how God can work in your life and in the lives of others. So I want you to be praying. <laughs> I really do. And praying for your own good because it's good for you. But this is how you become a witness or someone who can transform others' lives is you, you pray more. 
and more. And, and it doesn't make you overly religious. It makes you more and more authentic, more and more genuine. You repent more. You praise God more. You spend more time with God, and lo and behold, you become like the people you spend more time with. You spend more time with God, you become more authentic, more caring like God is, right? More tender, more compassionate. You'll be a better representative of him. You'll truly seek the good of others, even those who revile you, because that's what Jesus did, and you've been spending time with him, and he's been rubbing off on you. And so I want to encourage you, these simple habits again, if you've been with us through this series, the simple habits have not changed much. We want to just, every time we meet in prayer, we're calling God Lord. We're saying, you could say Master and King of the universe. You can say it however you want, but you admit that, God, you are God. I am not today, and I want to be your witness. It's not, God, will you bless all the stuff I'm doing today? God, can I work for you today? Receive that in the morning. Try a simple habit like that. In the midday, check in and say, Lord, how am I doing? You might say, hey, Corey, you were a big jerk to the kids on the bus today. Guess what? I've heard that more than once, okay? So you check in. Lord, are there things I need to step away from? Are there things I'm trying to carry on my own? Are there things I need to repent of? Lord, help me to share hope with so-and-so that I'm gonna bump into later. Help me to remember that you are with me. Have just a check-in prayer. That could take a few minutes, right? Evening, release things to God. Release things to God. Hurts, slander, like Peter mentioned, Release them to God, and remember, that's not really about you. Your goal is to just live with gentleness and respect. So let go of any bitterness. That can be a hard thing to do, right? We want to cling on to those wounds that somebody did to us. I'm learning, let that go, right? Ask forgiveness. Rest in his forgiveness in the evening. And then pray for those as you drift off into sleep for those in need. And the scriptures say God wants to give rest to his children and just rest in him as you go to rest. And I would say in this season, another thing you can do as a simple habit is try those times of peace. Try them here in the chapel. Try them in a daily way at your home. Try just seeking peace. No screens, no outward noise, just being with him. So whether it's those three times a day, whether it's the, the weekly night of peace, what will you commit to this season as Lent comes up? Lent starts with Ash Wednesday. And we don't do Lent so we can say to the community, look how religious we are, region of the Palouse. This is really a thing that we as the church do to be humbled, right? To learn where we need to repent. So do you need to humble yourself and say, I need to, to spend more time with God. I need to reduce my social media intake. I need to reduce my TV watching. I need to... Stop online shopping or video game playing or something else that really is not that helpful. It's not gonna be in heaven anyway. Will you, will you consider fasting in the old-fashioned sense, abstaining from food if your doctor allows it, abstaining from food for certain meals? Maybe it's just one meal. Maybe it's two. Maybe you get to three. And where you start to feel that hunger and you, you, you feel that hunger and you pray, God, I wish I hungered in my spirit like that for you. And he will answer that type of prayer. God, I want this type of hunger for others to come to know you. He will answer that type of prayer. So consider fasting. You don't have to, Jesus says, don't tell people about it, just do it. Just do it. And make it all about your relationship with him. Spending time with him. And when you feel things in your gut, and you will, 
Let your gut lead you to praying for things that you, you should be hungering for or maybe you already are hungering for. Y'all, God longs simply for people to come into relationship with him so that they can truly experience their deep identity. And when this happens, it is beautiful and good and God is glorified. So I'm just inviting us all to daily join God on this mission of life restoration and to believe that he can use all y'all, right? And can you imagine what a relatively small congregation, if, if we really believe what Jesus said and we lived that way and walked in our daily lives this way that God was with us and wanting to use us, what could God do through people like that? The answer is, who knows? God knows. Lord Jesus, help us to depend on you to restore our lives, our imperfect lives, to full and abundant lives of joy. And we pray and we long for and we hunger for those who who don't know you, whose eyes are closed or whose hearts are hurting or whatever the situation is, Lord, we long for our friends, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers to know you and to know that they are known by you. Would you make yourself real to them somehow through us, God? Would you make yourself known and real to someone that we intersect with this week? Would you, would you speak right now through your spirit to somebody or many people in these pews or online, Lord, today that, that they would start to believe in a deeper way that you want to use us to transform lives? Help us to believe that. Help us to walk as your disciples. Help us to live as people of your love this week. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hello, friends. I truly pray that this message blessed you. And if you want to find out more about our ministries or listen to other messages or videos of our worship services, you can check us out at palousechurch.org or search for Palouse Church on YouTube or check us out on Facebook or we are on uh, the Bible app. There's different ways to find us. You can always email me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at palousechurch.org to connect with me or to send me a prayer request. We really appreciate you connecting with us in this way and may God bless your day.